Hi, welcome to our Hot Rod Bible Study. So tonight, as we get started, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2, verses 24 through 29. Only six verses tonight as we get started. And so um, I'll go ahead and, and read the, the verses, six verses, and then we'll go back and uh, God will send the Holy Spirit to, uh, to teach us tonight. And so here we go. Um, verse 24, it says, Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he if he, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. So let's stop there and pray. So Father God, Lord, we're thankful, Lord, as we um, open up your word tonight. We're thankful, Lord, for your salvation, your gift that you poured upon us, Father, that our needs, Father, were met as you sent your son uh, to die um, in our place, Father. Uh, we thank you, Lord, as we look tonight as the gift of the gospel we thank you, Lord, for the gospel, the good news. Uh, we pray all of these things tonight, Father, and we pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, before we get started tonight, I wanted to share a little something with you. Um, we started a new channel, um, and it is um, the channel here, and it's going to be called, if you're going to go on YouTube, it is going to be called Redlands HRBS, just like the banner said. It's going to be, it's, if you go on YouTube and you put in Redlands HRBS, uh, our channel is going to be there. And this is going to be our Bible study that's here on Tuesdays. We're still going to be on HotRodBibleStudy.com. We're still going to be on the Hot Rod Bible Study. Uh, but there's just another channel, and it's going to give us an opportunity to do some other things. We're going to start some little, small, um, kind of little videos that's going to kind of tell about some of, I'd like, really like to get to the point where we're actually interviewing some of you. Some of your cars are kind of, we're going to try to post some of those. And that way we can get a little bit more um you know, uh, more traffic to our channel and that way we can bring, uh, because I, I believe that this model that we have here is, is a bunch of hot rodders, a bunch of guys that gather together once a week to, to, to share in the word of God. I believe it is a model for not only for here, but it is for a model for many churches. And there's so many people that men that have a heart for the things of God. And, and somebody asked uh, last week or the week before that, they, they said, hey, is it is it only car guys that can come to the hot rod Bible study? And I said, absolutely not. If you have a love for Christ, you, you, this is the place for you. If you have a love for the Lord, um, and even, and even if you drive a Jeep, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. So tonight, as we get started, um, as we get started tonight, one of the things as we've been studying through the book of John, uh, first John here, one of the things that's been, and I shared a little bit about this last week, and, uh, one of the things that's so important is that we see that the, the theme of the book, and many of you, I, I'm sure that by now you can already tell what the theme of the book is. It is fellowship. And it is fellowship with God and fellowship that we would have fellowship with one another. 
And so this is so important that we see, and this is um, going to come into play. And I told you last week that I was going to uh, tell you a little bit more, more about this fellowship, but tonight we're going to see it, this abiding. And we're going to get into this abiding here in a little bit. But one of the things as we opened up the study last week, I shared with you a little bit about there was three tests so far that as we've been studying through, um, as we got into the second chapter of 1 John, that these three tests that has been happening, the first one was actually the, the very first one was the moral test. And it was a call to obedient behavior. Um, and this was in 1 John 2, 3, 6. And the next one was the social test. It was a, a call to love and a call to a loving attitude as we um, as we reflect Christ. And that comes from 1 John 2, 7 and 11. And this is the area that we're in tonight. It is the doctrinal test. And it, we started it last week. And it is the call to the right belief, to the right belief in Christ. And it's going to go in 1 John um, it's verses 18 through 27, chapter 2. And so we're going to see that tonight. But each test... Um, the reason why John is breaking it up this way is each test is a measure of assurance of salvation for each and every one of us. And so it is important that that measure of salvation. So tonight, um, one of the things as, as we get before we get into the study, I'd like to share um, a story about abiding um, before we get into. And I'm actually going to share two of them. One of them I, I came up with at the very last minute because this is a hot rod Bible study. But this very first one. Uh, I kind of came up, and, and there's two different areas, but this is what I want to share with you about abiding. And so many of us are familiar with the flower, the sunflower. It is a very beautiful flower. Um, but I don't know if many of you know that it starts off as a tiny little sprout. Where the sunflower gets its name from, it gets its name because it always wants to spend time in the sun. And it's always looking for the sun. Um, the sunflower, when it grows, if the sun rises in the east in the area that's at, it'll turn towards the east and it'll follow the sun all the way into the west. And it, it, spending that time in the sunlight, the rays that are basking on that, it, it causes the sunflower to produce, we know, many seeds. And oftentimes we're familiar with the sunflower seeds that come from the sunflowers. And it's such a beautiful thing because that beautiful flower has uh, uh, you know, it was created to absorb the rays of the sun as it's, and it helps it to grow. And, and as I was thinking about this this week, it says, when you and I look for the sun, like the sunflower looks for the S-U-N, when we look for the sun, the S-O-N, uh, when we find uh, the effects of its rays softening our hearts, changing us, allowing us to grow inside in the things of God, and as we abide and we wake up in the morning and we look to the sun, his word, his living word, that we will grow. And his rays, as they come through his word, they will soften our hearts through the areas that we need to go through. And it's just such a beautiful picture. But the next picture of abiding I wanted to share with you, and it's kind of the flip side of this kind of abiding. It is, I know many of us here, and since this is a hot rod Bible study, that many of us are familiar with the movie Christine. Right, we were, we're familiar with the movie Christine, even though in the car that was in the movie was a 58 Plymouth Fury, we know we still, it is a car movie. And so many of us guys were, were familiar with this movie. It is a, it's a very, very good movie that it was the way that it was made. And I always, I don't know about you guys, but I always wondered why they never made a sequel to the movie Christine. Because remember at the very last scene, remember that it was crushed like a big aluminum can and it was sitting there on, on the ground as they crushed the car at the end, right? This car that had this evil spirit. And remember that one of the parts actually moved 
out of it. And so they, they, that, that whole thing was, I thought was a, a leading up to another, a sequel to Christina. And it would be even amazing that somebody would make another movie of it. But what, the reason I'm sharing this with you tonight, remember the main character, the guy who bought the, uh, the, actually the Plymouth, the Plymouth Fury, the one that bought it, his name was Arnie Cunningham in the movie. He, this is his name. And if you remember that he was kind of a nerdy guy, and he was looking for a car. And remember that the condition of the car that he bought, that he bought and it came in smoking and the, the guy, the garage, he had to keep it in because his parents didn't allow him to bring it home. But as he spent time with that car, abiding in that car, the things that I wanted to share with you, and it's because the car had an evil spirit. One of the things that we see in that, that Arnie, he began to change. He began to change. He became a different person at the end of the movie that he started off being this nerdy guy. And it was because he was in, he was abiding in the things that were darkness. Not that cars are darkness, but this evil spirit of darkness. And it is a picture of us as we go into the world and we surround ourselves or we abide in the things that are not of God, that it draws us away from the things of God. And so we are called as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called to abide in the Lord. And this is what uh, John is going to speak to us about tonight, that we would abide in the Lord. And so here we'll pick it up in verse 24. And it says, therefore, let um, that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. The very first word we start off here in this verse, we see the word therefore. And many times I, I always, when we come to a, a section of scripture and we see the word therefore, we always want to know why, what is it therefore? And it is, it is speaking about the section of scripture that we just went through. And remember the last section of scripture that we went through, it was speaking of the Antichrist. It was one of the big areas that it was speaking about, but one of the things that it was really drawing from, and it started in verse 21, and I'll just read it here to you. It says, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. How many of us have, have brothers and sisters or have a family member in the family that has something going on in their life and they come to us and they say, you know, maybe possibly, hey, can you kind of help me out? Will you pray for me? These things. And, and, and sometimes we actually go and in our mind in those times, God puts a scripture in our heart. And, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a person that, that, that um, preaches that people need to, uh, you know, that need to learn Bible verses. You need to learn Bible verses because the more time you spend in the word of God, those Bible verses will just start coming to you. And in your time of need, just like the Bible says, the Holy Spirit will put those things on your heart. And so as you share Bible verses with people as they're in need, it's actually the Holy Spirit sharing with them. But as you give them these words, oftentimes people say, well, I know that verse, right? Right? Uh, Romans 8, 28, all things worked to, for good, for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose, they, they look at you and they say, I know that verse. But the thing that we see here in the book of John, 1 John, that he is reminding the believers that we need to abide in that word. We need to abide. We can't just have head knowledge of that, that word. We need to abide in it and we need to believe in the promises of God. That if we truly believe that all things work together for good, that even though we are in a terrible situation at this time, that it's going to work out for good. Because we see that God, his promises are true. And this is the area that he is drawing them to. And there, um, we'll, we'll just share the very last one. It's going to verse 22. And it says, it says, who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus, Christ, Jesus is the Christ? He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son 
as the Father also. And I shared with you last week, we went through a, a group of people. I, I mentioned, you know, people last week um, that was, I was talking about our modern day that I believe that I know that there are false teachers. And I, I shared their, their names with their Joseph Smith, we, we uh, Charles Taze Russell. We shared some of these guys' name last week with you as we were going through God's word. And so this is the thing that they deny who Christ is. They deny who Christ is. And just by that alone, the Bible in this verse is here in 22 and 23. They say very clearly that if they do not believe in the Son and in the Father, they are one and the same. You cannot say, I love God, but I, 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 this Jesus, I, I can't take the Jesus, or vice versa. We can't say that we love Jesus, but this God, no, we, they're one and the same. Remember John 10.30, me and my Father are one, right? They are one. They are one and the same. And so we see that here. And this is what we're going to get into tonight as we speak about. And so as we speak about, therefore, this is what he's leading us to. And this word abide, he says here, it says, therefore, let that abide. And this thing that we're going to get to in this next section, but abide. John loves this word abide. He loves the word abide. And he shares it here in First John. He shares it 24 times. And just in this very small section here, as we're going through verses, uh, the verses here, these six verses, he shares it six times with us. And so this word abide is a word. And in the Greek, it means it is the word amino. Um, and it means to remain, to stay steadfast, to stay next to. And we all know John 15, 5, right? We all know that, that I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me bears much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing, right? Nothing. We know that we can do nothing without Christ. It's abiding in Christ as we think about abiding and as, as the stories that we shared as we are, talk about this abiding. But one of the things... As they say, talk a little bit here about that, that therefore let that abide in you, this thing that. And, and so many of people have asked, what is that 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 they're referring to? Um, and we know that John was a, a teacher in Ephesus. And he was teaching uh, oftentimes things that were going on before the New Testament was written. And some of the things I believe that he was teaching is he was teaching of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, that they oftentimes they like to go through the genealogy to tell how the, Jesus came to be the Messiah and what line did he come through. And the things that's so amazing about that, when we see in the book, uh, we see here very clearly in the book of uh, Matthew that we see that in the verses 1 through 17, they go through the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And the thing that's so amazing about that genealogy is that we see it, 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 it tracks it back. And there's so many people that are in that list that's so amazing. We see people like Boaz. We see Ruth, who was a Moabitess. She was outside the, the area where God had called his people. We see people like Rahab, who was a harlot. She was a prostitute. But in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and we see as she points that. And so I believe that John was teaching them at the beginning here as he talked about the beginning. But we know in the book of Luke, that when we get into the genealogy of Luke in three, right, chapter 3, verses 23 through 38, we know that when we get into Luke, that it is also the genealogy of Jesus Christ, but it is through the line of Mary. Uh, the, one in, the one in Matthew is through the line uh, of Joseph. And, and really, uh, it's so amazing to me because we really, we know that it is, they said the Messiah would come through this line. And the reason why the Bible, if you, you don't know this, the reason why the Bible put the genealogy of Jesus Christ through the line of Joseph, and then it did it in Luke through the line of Mary, is because the reality is that Joseph had nothing to do with the child Jesus, right, being born, we know that it came from the Holy Spirit. And so it just tracks both of their genealogies coming through those two different lines. And it's just so amazing that we see as we see those lines as they come through there. But one of the things that I believe that John really, as it comes from John 1.1, right, in the beginning 
He goes all the way back now. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is the gospel that they're referring to here in this verse, chapter 24. In verse 24, they're referring to the gospel. This Let this gospel abide in you. This is what they're returning to, referring to here in verse 24. It is the gospel that we would refer to the gospel, that we would take the gospel in. And this is the area, and I think it's so important that we see that gospel. And so this comes from 1 Corinthians um, 15.4, and, and I'll just share it here with you um, really quickly. And it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. So this is the gospel of the good news for you, me and you, that we um, can see the things of God, that he has loved the world for John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son. The greatest need that the world, mankind had, was for a savior. You know, it's interesting, I, I was reading a story about a man that you're probably familiar with. His name is Stan Lee. And he is a, a writer of comics, right? Comic books. He, many, many uh, people that uh, are characters that he came out with, right? Spider-Man, X-Man, uh, the Fantastic Four, um, I, I can't even remember every single one of them, right? X-Man. There were so many characters that he created. But one of the things that, that he said that I thought was so, he passed away in 2018. Uh, at, at the age of 95, he'd lived a long life. Uh, but one of the things that I thought was so interesting, he said that when he came out with these characters and he came out with the comic books, right, with uh, Spider-Man and all these different people, he said that the reason why he believed that the people were so drawn to them is because us as people that we have a need to be saved, that we have a need to be saved. And these superheroes always go into the world, and there's always a villain, there's always, but we can see that they were drawn to these stories because we have instilled in us the, the, the need to be saved. And this is what mankind's greatest need was for a savior, that Jesus Christ would come and save us from, uh, from a place that we could not save ourselves. That it is, it is by grace we have been saved. And it's just so a beautiful picture that we can see. As I was thinking about this, uh, as he was, that Stanley, that, that I, I thought it was so interesting that he came up with that idea that, that he said that it, like, mankind has a need to be saved. And it reminded me also as we go back and, you know, in the workplace, many people, um, I, uh, I'll share this with you, that there, there's some young people and if you tell them a little bit about this cartoon, they don't know exactly, they don't know anything about what I'm talking about. But we all remember that Wildy Coyote, right? Remember him and the Roadrunner, right? And and because we're car guys, we're like, yeah, yeah, we definitely know who the Roadrunner is, right? But this Wildy Coyote, as we go through the cartoons, remember they're always chasing each other around. And I always love the scenes when Wildy Coyote would fall. He would be tricked by the Roadrunner. He would fall down and he'd fall like off this cliff, this 100-foot cliff, and he'd go, Shh, yep, and he would go down. And remember when he went through the ground that it would leave the impression of the, of the it would leave his impression in the ground. And this reminded me that this is the, the exact impression that Jesus has placed in each and every one of our hearts. That, that he has placed that impression of Jesus, just like the impression you see, it is the impression of Jesus and he has placed it in the center of our hearts. 
And what we do is we go around and we try to fill that area with things of the world. But just like when we were kids and doing the little building blocks, we try to fit them in there, but it doesn't fit. But when we come to have a relationship and we accept Christ, that 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 thing that we can put it in our hearts now, it, it fills and we, we become complete. We become the, what we were created for to bring glory to God. It is a beautiful picture of the things that we see. So here in verse 25, it says, and this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. I love this verse here. This is a powerful verse. And we see that it is a definite article. It says this is the promise, the promise. And we know that God in his word, that this promise is irrevocable. It is an irrevocable promise. And, you know, God is so different than any of us. I don't know about you as us as parents that oftentimes in my life, that oftentimes when I tell my kids, I tell my kids, you know what? On, on when the summer comes, I'm going to take you guys to Disneyland or I'm going to take you guys to the beach. I, I make promises to them. But things happen as we they go through the school year and all of a sudden they bring their report cards. And I look at this report card and I said, we're, we're not going to the beach. We're, we're not we're not going to Disneyland. But we see that God's love is much different for us. It is irrevocable in spite of who, what happens and the things that we do when we walk away from the things of God. And, and somebody asked me a while back, they said that, hey, when, when you talk about the Holy Spirit being with us and, and, and empowering us to do things, but what happens when the Holy Spirit, when we sin and we go off the track, does the Holy Spirit leave us? The Holy Spirit never leaves us, never leaves us. The Holy Spirit, if we are walking in sin, we are, wa- we are dragging the Holy Spirit in the mud with us. But one of the things that the Holy Spirit does, it convicts us. It convicts us. We see that the area of of where we stepped out of fellowship with God, the theme of of the book, when we walk out of that fellowship, that Holy Spirit is in us. And it is drawing us to that we would know that we are getting out of, out of that fellowship with God. And this is where that conviction comes in. And this is one of the things that we always want to be reminded. It's not that we want to go out and sin, but we want to be reminded constantly that if when it is when we no longer, when our hearts become seared, the Bible talks about, that we all of a sudden we walk in sin and all of a sudden we don't acknowledge anymore. When not only that, though, that we make up excuses for it. We say, this is all right because of this, or this is all right. And I love the way that Pastor Greg spoke about this Sunday, that oftentimes that we, we find justification in our lives by what we see other people doing. If they're, we find an area in their lives that they're sinning more than us, we, we find justification in that. We find justification as like, at least I'm like, like he talked about, at least like I'm not like this tax collector, Right? But we remember that the story in the Bible that the tax collector went away more glorified than we see that he is the one. And so it is a beautiful picture that we see. But as we talk here about this promise, I wanted to draw you to an area of scripture as we consider this this uh, promise of eternal life. And this comes from Matthew um, chapter 19, verses 16 through 26. And it was Jesus that he was there. And there came a man to him, to Jesus. And he said to him, he said, teacher. You being good, what can I do? What good things can I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, he said, why do you call me good? There's only, God is the only one who's good. But he said, but if you want to have life, if you want to have life, he said, and this is, this is Jesus wanting to draw this out of him. And I love this because Jesus does, is not a, a savior who comes to us and says, 
Mike, you're walking in the wrong ways. You're walking in sin. No, he wants to draw it out of me. And this is what he does to this man. He tells him, and as he tells him, he says, keep the commandments. And this man right away, he chimed in and he said, which ones? And Jesus said to him, and this is a setup. Jesus is setting him up. The creator of the universe is setting him up. He said, thou shall not murder. Thou shall not commit adultery. He said, thou shall not bear false witness. Thou shall not steal. You shall love your mother and your father, honor your mother and your father, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right away, he answered. He said, these I have kept from my youth. He said, what else am I lacking? And you see something in the man that we see that even though that he was abiding by the law, the Jewish law, that he knew in his heart that he was lacking something. He knew in his heart that he was lacking. But Jesus said to him, he said, if you want to be perfect, sell what you have, give to the poor, and come and follow me, and great will be your reward in heaven. Your treasure in heaven will be great. This is what Jesus told him. And the Bible says that the man went away sorrowful because he had many possessions or much possessions. He went away sorrowful. And this, this, this portion of scripture, as we speak about eternal life, it really convicted me this week because it made me think, Mike, what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to, the things that you're holding on to that keeps you from doing the things of God? What are you clinging to? Is there anything in this world that you put before God? And it really started to convict me. And so this is the reason why I'm sharing the conviction with each and every one of us. This is the reason why I'm showing the, sharing the conviction. But one of the things that there is an area in Luke 9, and this is where it really started to speak to me. And this is, comes from Luke 9, uh, verses 57 through 62. And it's also Jesus as he was walking. And these men, they were talking about following Jesus. And one of them came to Jesus and he said, he said, I will follow you. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And he's told, looked at one of the men and said, why don't you follow me? And, and this man said, um, I would follow, I'll follow you, but let me go back and bury my father. And, and you know from the story from us sharing here, we know that his father was nowhere near death. That he, but Jesus said to him, he said, let the dead bury the, let the dead bury the dead. He said, you come preach the gospel and follow me. That we see that in this story, that, that this story that he called him, and another man has came and said, "I'll follow you, Jesus." And, G, and but he said, "But first, let me first go and bear farewell to my family. Let me tell my family farewell first. And Jesus said this in verse sixty-two, and I think it's powerful. He said, "No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God." We remember that in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember that. Uh, uh, we remember that uh, Lot's wife, as she was there and they were leaving Sodom and Gomorrah, remember that she looked back. She looked back and remember that she became a pillar of salt, right, because she looked back. And, and the reason why I bring this up tonight and we think about this eternal life, that we remember that I, I think it's just so fitting and so touching that we remember that it was Paul. And this is Philippians 3.13 that he said, I love this, what he said. He says, but one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things that are ahead. And this is what we are called. We are not called to look behind. We are called to look forward. 
The thing that's, that, that I'm reason why I'm sharing this with you tonight is because many therapists, if you've ever gone to a therapist, the first thing they, they want to do is they want to talk about the past, the way you were raised, the things that have gone on in your life. If you've had a bad marriage, they want to, they want to bring up all these things. But we remember what the gospel says. When we gave our lives to Christ, that we became a new creation, that all things have became, have become new. We have this newness of life. And I don't know about you guys, the only other person that wants to bring up my past all the time, and I know who it is, it's the enemy. He always, when God has called me to do something, this is where the enemy always calls and he wants to drag me into my past. But this is an area that I want to be like Paul, that he's looking forward to the finish line. He is looking forward to the finish line. I shared this with you guys a couple of weeks ago. And I thought it was a powerful illustration. And one of the things is that many of us, we spend many of our lives doing many things. Um, but this is a, imagine that this, this, this line would be our, our timeline of our, of eternity. This is eternity, right? This is eternity. So long, it goes all the way into eternity. It doesn't really, it just goes right here on the floor. But anyway, this line of eternity is that we spend so much of our lives so worried about our lifetime. This is our lifetime, this little red area. This is our lifetime here on earth. We spend so many time worried about what we're doing here in this life. And many of us, we work, work so hard and we, we're rude to people. We cut people off on the freeway. We do all kinds of things. So we can get to this area right here, this um, three quarters of the way down the line. We can get to this area and try to re enjoy some kind of retirement to make it to this. But many of us don't spend a whole lot of time worried about this eternity. You know, as we were speaking about the MCCA uh, is going, if you don't know that this is a, a group of men who have been going down to Mexico once a month since 1964. Uh, the group uh, has been at one time a lot smaller. It's a, it's a pretty big group now that they go along, a group of trucks, they go along there and they have a tremendous ministry that they're doing for God. But oftentimes the world, oftentimes the world looks at those men and they say to them, you know what they say? They say, hey, you go down to Mexico? They say, yeah. And they say, okay, who pays for your truck? They say, I do. They say, who pays for your gas? They say, I do. They say, who pays for your insurance? They say, I do. The world looks at that and say, that's not too smart. But we see that these men, just like this verse, they're looking to what's ahead. They're looking for what's ahead. They're looking into eternity. That They know that the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And this is what John is talking about here in this verse, that we would see that, that our lives would be changed by the things that we, we, we put our, we involve ourselves on. And as I talked about this, it, as we, like I said, that the things that I'm holding on to, um, there is many times it is, it, God doesn't want us not to dream about things, but he also wants us to give equal time to the things of God. And so this is, uh, the, uh, the eternal life, but I love that, that it is un, it is not unrevocable. And as we think about eternal life, one of the things that I, I wanted to share before we get done with this verse is that quality of life can start now. We don't, it's not a, it's not a timeline on a calendar like, yes, Mike, when you die, yes, you're going to have eternal life. He can say you can start experiencing it now. And it is when we abide in Christ, we abide in Christ that we know the fruit of the spirit. And the very first one is love. Love that we can abide and we can, as we abide in Christ, that the fruits of the Spirit is love. And as we go out and love the world, as Christ loved the world, as Pastor Greg's message was, regardless of what area or what side of the tracks or what relation or who they are, or like I said, once again, if they drive a Jeep, we gotta love them. We gotta love them. We gotta love them. 
We're called to love each and every one of them. It's just such a beautiful thing. So here in verse 26, it says, These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. Um, this, these things that are, are written, um, this is an area of scripture that they're talking about as, as we write to them. And we remember as we go back, as, as John has been pointing out, every time he points out an area that he has written to us for a reason, and he, he did that also that, uh, that we may have fellowship in 1 John 1 3. He said, I wrote to you that you may have fellowship in 1 John 1 3. And then he wrote to us that we may have joy. And this is 1 John 1 4. Um, and then he also wrote to us so that we may not sin in 1 John um, 2 1. And now that he's written to us that we may not be fooled here in 1 John 2 26. Um, but I like this and here is, and as we go ahead, we're going to see this. And this comes from 1 John 5 13. It says, these things I have written to you um, who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you may have eternal life and that you may continue and believe in the name of the Son of God. You see, John wants to create that assurance of salvation, that it is these areas of our lives that we have this assurance, that this irrevocable promise of God, that we are promised eternal life when we give our lives to Christ, that he will not, he will not take it back from us, even if our lives, and, and I, know, I know this doesn't go right with many people, I believe, I am a firm believer that you cannot lose your salvation if you were truly saved. If you are truly saved, you cannot lose your salvation. And there's many people that preach a different gospel, but the Bible very clearly, I believe you will not lose your salvation. But there were many teachers, as we consider these people who want to deceive you. One of the things that I think that's interesting, as we were talking about uh, Joseph Smith, Charles Taze Russell last, last week, we were talking a little bit about him. One of the things that I was uh, reading about that these uh, people, oftentimes areas of, and this is how we know that they are not true followers of Christ is because they don't go out into the world and to seek non-believers. They don't go out into the world and look for non-believers on the streets and they don't go out to the, the homeless people and try to share Christ with them. You know what they do? They, they want to try to influence people who already know Christ. They want to try to draw them away from Christ and bring them into their cults and bring them into their areas and try to try to deter them. And this is the reason why he's writing this letter because people are trying to deceive believers they're not trying to believe, deceive us. There were, I don't know about you guys, but there wasn't people trying to drag me into a, a false, uh, a false, you know, a teacher of, of the Word of God. There was, when I was, uh, did, wasn't a follower of Christ, there was none. There were, there were the, the people of God that were the ones that were trying to draw me to Christ. But I had my, I had my ears. I was da 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 da. Right. I couldn't, I couldn't hear because I didn't want to hear. And, the, and that's true. What the Bible says is because I had so much sin in my life that I didn't want to hear because I was too in love with my sin. I was too in love with my sin, and I didn't want to come and, and tell the truth and come to the truth. But we see that these things, and this is the reason why John is writing this letter, but it is when we abide in the things of God that this will make it clear to us. Here in verse 27 it says, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie. And just as I taught you, you will abide in him. As we see here in this verse, it speaks about you need no one to teach you. And many people have used this, that, oh, that I can stay home and I can just read the Bible, which you can, and God will speak to you. And, and this, you know, you don't, you don't need, truthfully, you don't need another man. If you, if you stay home and you preach, or you read the Bible and you ask the Holy Spirit to give you understanding of the gospel of Christ, he will 
give you understanding. He will speak to you. But this is not speaking. Uh, John is not speaking, saying that we don't need teachers, that we don't need. Um, and this comes from uh, with very clearly. He points it out here in Ephesians four. It says it says he himself gave some to apostles, some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. What John was saying, he was saying that those who abide in the word of God, and we spoke about this all that we speak about this all the time, that when we give our lives to Christ, that when we hear that false doctrine, and I've shared this with before that bank tellers, when they go into a bank, what they do for the first six months is they let them count currency, hundreds, twenties, thirties, fives, dollar bills. They let them count currencies, coins. They count them constantly for six months and they just give them New currency, they give them currency, currency each and every day. They're counting money, counting money. And on this, this, after the six months, what they do is they start to incorporate counterfeit. They start to incorporate counterfeit. They start to give the tellers, they're still in training, they start to give them counterfeit and they recognize it right away. And the reason why they recognize is because they know what the true money feels like. They know what the true is. And this is what John is telling us, that if we will abide in the word of God, when somebody comes and gives us a false word or we hear a false doctrine, we must reject it because that baloney meter goes off in our hearts and we know that this not, does not come from God. And this is the reason why that Pastor Ed, all the pastors at the packing house, they encourage us to bring our Bibles because we say that we know that men can make mistakes, that men can make, uh, the, but we are to call to bring our Bibles that we would be checking the word of God constantly and be in the word of God and making sure. But it is that Holy Spirit that works in us, that baloney meter that works inside of each and every one. So when we give our lives to Christ, that that teacher that's inside of us, when something that comes and it's wonky, right? That's one of Willie's words, right? When, when it becomes wonky, we, we recognize it in the, and that Holy Spirit that's inside that, that uh, baloney meter goes off. And so we, we can recognize those things. And so here in verse 28, it says, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, that we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. As he refers to little children, he is speaking of believers. Um, one of the things that I thought was so amazing that we see that when he comes, when Jesus comes, that we will not be ashamed. There was a, a story about a, a husband and wife, and they were going to celebrate their anniversary, and they didn't have anything big planned, but they decided there was a three-day weekend coming up, and they decided that they were going to go on a little weekend getaway, just him and his wife, as it was their anniversary. And so they had two sons, one 15, one 17. They're old enough to take care of themselves, and so they told them they were going to go away for this little you know, weekend getaway, and so they went with their anniversary, and they went away. And the first day they were gone, they were having a great time. But already by the second day, the husband started to notice that his wife wasn't herself. And she started to, and so he started to ask her, what's wrong, honey? What, what's going on? And she says, I miss the kids. Just even though that we're here and we're having a great time, I still miss the kids. And he says, well, let's, let's go back early. He said, let's, let's go back home early. And so uh, it's, it's, they left on a Saturday, left on a Friday night. It's, it's now it's Sunday midday. They start gathering their things. They tell the people that they, even though they rented another room for another night, they're going to go ahead and leave and they're checking out. And so they leave, they gather their bags, they get in the car and they start to drive home. As they start to get home and they start to get in their neighborhood, um, they get close. They're probably a couple blocks away. They started noticing. They started saying, wow, there, there sure is a lot of cars that are in, in the streets, parked throughout the streets. And they, they start noticing. And the father says, wow, one of our neighbors must be having a party. Right. One of our neighbors must be having a party as he gets closer and closer to the house. It's becoming harder and harder for him to get into the driveway of his own house because there's probably about 
15 cars that are parked in his driveway. And so he drives up and off to the side and he gets off with his wife and he can see that his boys are having a party at his house, right? And so as he gets off the car and he gets his wife in her hand and they go into the house and they see these people and, and he's going through the house. And what he is, is he's looking for his sons. And he's, he looks and he finds his sons in the backyard and he looks at him and they see that mom and dad is there. The first thing it is, they're shocked. But the one thing they are, they're ashamed of what they have done. And this is a story that we see that this verse, that when our Heavenly Father comes, when Jesus Christ comes, what will we be doing? Will we be, do, will we be doing the things of God that he has called and put in our lives? And, and just like tonight, tonight would be a great minute for him to come right now, that we would be here opening up his word. But what will we be doing when God returns? And this is one of the things, like I said, this conviction has convicted me as well. And so I wanted to share that with you, and I thought it was uh, fitting for this verse. But here in verse 29, it says, If you know that he is righteous, uh, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. If we truly are children of God, that we will walk differently than the world. Right, We will walk differently than the world. And John 15.10 says that if the world hates you, know that it hated me first. That we know that as God, as the world, oftentimes they look at us and they, as we talked about tonight about the MCCA or people that are followers and believers of Christ, uh, my, uh, my daughter shared with me, and I wanted to share this with you, that in their, in their workplace, they, um, they had this thing that where they were celebrating somebody's birthday there at, at, at where she works. She works in an office. And, and one of the things is that they, they all went around and they made like these fake margaritas and, and they went around and they were kind of just, you know, they put juice in them and they, they put like the salt around the rims and they were handing them out to the people at, at work. And so people are walking around with like these fake uh, margaritas and they come over to her and they try to hand her one. And she says, no, I don't want it. And they say, there's no alcohol in it. She says, no, why do we want it as believers? Why do we want to create the impression that we're what we can drink in the workplace? What does that reflect Christ? And what do they do? They, they, they pull it away and they say, okay, we won't give you one. But what do they say? You are all of a sudden you become an outcast in the office, right? Because all of a sudden you're different. You're different. But this is what we were called. We are called to be different than the world. We're not a call to go along with the things of the world. One of the things really quickly I wanted to share with you tonight before we close, a couple of things. Um, I found this acronym for gospel as we are going through the gospels. And, and if, if you don't get it all, uh, and if you're interested in it, I'll share it with you tonight because I thought it was powerful. Um, but the letter G in the word gospel, G, stands for God created us to be with him. That's Psalms 103. Um, the O is our sins separate us from God, Romans 3.23. The S is sins cannot be removed by good deeds. This is Galatians 3.23 and 24. Um, the letter P is pain, the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again, um, Luke 24.46. Um, everyone who trusts, I'm sorry, uh, E, everyone who trusts in him has eternal life. This is John 3.16. And L, life with Jesus, starts now and lasts forever. That's John 10.28. As we speak about tonight, about life starting and lasting forever, one of the things I want to close tonight, I, I want to close with a movie. I think I've been on a movie kick the last couple of, of weeks, and I want to share a movie with you that you're all familiar, and it is the movie The Wizard of Oz. We're very familiar with this movie. And one of the characters in the movie, we know it is Dorothy. Right. It is Dorothy. And remember that she her world is turned upside down 
when she's there at home in Kansas and there's tornado comes, right, and picks up her house and takes her to a place that she doesn't recognize that she's never been, and it is a place called Oz. And she goes to this place, and one of the things that she goes there, that the first thing that she does, that Dorothy does, is she has that desire in her heart to want to go back home. She wants to go back to, remember her uncles and, and her Aunt B, right? Aunt B, Aunt B, she wants to go back to where she's from. This is like her desire in her heart that she wants to go. And so they tell her about this wizard, and he is the Wizard of Oz, right? This is the whole story. And so we remember the, 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 the story as it starts that as she goes down this yellow brick road, she goes down this yellow brick road, and it's interesting to me that she finds people that are also in need, just like her, to see the Oz, to see this Wizard of Oz. And remember the first person she comes across, I believe it is the Scarecrow, that she comes across, and we see that the Scarecrow, he is in need of a brain, right? He is in need of a brain. And so she tells him a little bit about Oz. Hey, we can go to this Wizard of Oz, and we can ask him for a brain, and maybe he can help you. And so they go along the yellow brick road, and they come along the, remember, the Tin Man, right? And then we love the Tin Man because they had to oil him up a little bit. They had to pump a little bit of oil in him for him to kind of get his, get unstiff. And so they, as they pump that oil into him, we remember that he did not have a heart. And so they tell him that there's this wizard that they can go and they can ask this wizard that would give him a heart. And so they said, let's go along. And then the last character I love who they, who they get, and this is the Cowardly Lion, as they see the Cowardly Lion and they get him. And remember that the Cowardly Lion, he needed courage. Courage, and, and I love that because it, it's so powerful that we think about that. I remember there was a time that he did something to Dorothy, and Dorothy kind of slapped him, and, and he was crying, and he was wiping his tears with his tail. You know, he was wiping his tears with his tail, and this is a story as it goes on. But remember as they went on that yellow brick road to the journey to Oz, that they ran across many obstacles, many obstacles. They ran into the, the, the tree that threw apples at them. They ran into the monkeys that came from the witch. All these things, these obstacles came, but they finally get, Remember in the story, they finally get to the Wizard of Oz. And the Wizard of Oz, and many, many times in our lives, I don't know about you guys, but many times it is, we led to disappointment because we remember in the movie that, that Oz was nothing more than smoke and mirrors. He was just a man behind a curtain that was calling out all these things. But one of the things that he did tell Dorothy that is powerful, and I think it's for you and for me, that one of the things that he did, he told Dorothy, remember to tap her heels and to think about that she was home because he said where she wanted to be, she was already there. And this is exactly the way the movie ends, that she taps her heels together and she starts to say that there's no place like home. And she is where she always wanted to be. And this is exactly us as we give our lives to Christ, that our eternal life that Christ has promised us, it is now. We can begin now, that love shining through us, it is now the place that we desire to be in heaven. We can we can have it now that we can be that 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 at least the the part of the spirit of the part we can have it and celebrate it now. Amen. So, Father God, we we thank you, Lord, for your word tonight, Lord. We thank you for your goodness and your love to us, Lord. May you continue to send your Holy Spirit to teach us, Lord, all of us, Father. We love you, Lord, and we pray all of these things tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.